It's something happens and it's told with emotion and imagery. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 95. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Once upon a time, I knew you were going to say that. I just had this feeling. I'm so predictable. You are predictable. But do you know what it is? Even though I knew you were going to say it, I still want to know what the heck you're going to say next because stories are so engaging. Whether they're once upon a time stories or they're stories about things that have happened in your life or whatever, we are just naturally drawn towards hearing stories. I mean, when you wander in the office of a morning and start telling us about the hilarious thing that happened last night, you're a particularly talented storyteller. Although I would normally tell you this. But Thank you, very you much. come in and and we all stop and get interrupted our work to listen to what the heck's happened. So stories, we'll talk about them today. <laughs> hey, this is Rob and Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite. I've got a, my story today. I've got a squeaky stool. Yeah, I've got a squeaky stool. I'm going to try and sit perfectly still. Perfectly still. A squeaky stool. You probably want to go to the doctor about that. <laughs> uh, so moving on I've swiftly. Already gone there this late. Today, we are chatting to the lovely Lisa Bloom. We are talking to her. We're talking to her about the power and the ways of using stories in order to communicate with people through your marketing channels, which uh, which is going to be absolutely great. I mean, I can tell you now, it's a cracking episode. You're going to absolutely love this. Yeah, we pulled loads of action points out of this to go and start changing just the way that we write, the way that we think, the way we speak, actually, the way we tell stories in our marketing. Very, very cool. It's almost that like sort of show people don't tell them, isn't it? It's like mm. show them, allow them to see the metaphor in there. But they, they don't, we're not talking about really clever metaphorical stories, particularly. They can be fairly obvious stories as well. So before we go into any of that, we're going to head into Rob's quote of the week. Yes, because as they say, a plastic bag blowing in the wind has no notion of the rising crow. It doesn't. And that really got me in the feels. Really got me there. I'm back on sensible quotes this week. You are back on the actual real <laughs> ones now with real inspiration. Loving that about you. For the last two weeks, this was real. Yes, absolutely. If you want to learn a bit more about the particular campaign we've been working with in our marketing that has doubled our our results and our sales with our email marketing, then do check out the web class we're teaching the whole thing, exposing the whole thing in detail and breaking it all down for you uh, online. So you don't have to you don't have to fly anywhere, you don't have to do anything. You have to literally tune in from, from wherever the heck you are in the world, as long as you've got internet connection. Just go to responsesuite.com slash webinar, register your place, and you can tune in when you fancy. If you would like like to fly over and join us in the office while we present it, just let us know and we'll send you where to send the, we'll tell you where to send the enormous check. Yes, we like that. We like that a lot. <laughs> anyway, with that all, all out of the way, let's get into this week's interview. Lisa Bloom, welcome to Free Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's really lovely to have you. We were just chatting before we hit record, uh, and this is going to be really, really cool because one of the big things towards becoming an authority in your field, towards kind of building a tribe of raving fans, you know, the kind of people who just buy everything that you put out there without it being a hard, heavy sales pitch because they just know you and like you and trust you. That big trust word is so, so, so important. Like in this day and age, more, more than ever, how do we start to build that trust? Because we're more skeptical than ever, aren't we, Lisa? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the things that, and you know, originally would have us be trusting just don't exist anymore. You know, we used to, I always say once upon a time, we used to trust the banks and the financial systems and the church and the politicians and whoever. Well, I don't know if we ever right. trusted them, but you know, <laughs> nowadays we could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever the institutions yeah. were, yeah, whatever those institutions were, we just don't trust them anymore because you know, the last 10 years or perhaps a bit more have shown that nothing is trustworthy. But the one thing that we can trust is authentic story when people really show up and they tell something that's real. 
And what do you mean by that? What do you mean by real authentic story? Well, you know, it kind of flips the tradition around sales and marketing. So traditionally, you know, you figure out who your market is, you find out what they want to, what they want to hear, and then you tell them a good story that's going to be convincing. And what I'm talking about is actually the opposite. What I'm talking about is really showing up in your life and in your business and telling the real deal, like talking about things that matter, talking about the things that are both the stories out, what I call the outer stories and the inner story. Mm-hmm. I'd love to dig into that a little bit. So that, that kind of occurred to me some years ago at a, at a conference where, you know, inside the room, everything was squeaky clean and shiny and abundant and everybody was happy, happy. And every time I went to the bathroom, I used to hear these stories of these women talking about their, you know, their illnesses and their addictions and their delinquent kids. And it just occurred to me that there's these inner stories, the stories that we live, the real stuff. And then there's the outer stories, the stuff that we tell other people, the way we show up in social media, perhaps, or the, or the way we market ourselves and our services. And I began to notice that the less integrated the outer and inner story were, the less I believed people, the less I felt that they were being authentic and the less I trusted them. So we so look at about things like, like, if we look at things like America's got talent, Britain's got talent, all these different countries have got talent, apparently. And we look at the, the, big part of, the big part of that that they spend is not on showing us their fabulous talent, but it's on telling us the story of that person. It's usually a sob story about some horrendous thing that's happened to these people. And that's, I mean, people are basic. I mean, I want to call it like Britain's got sympathy uh, because, because they focus so much on that thing. But it really is important, isn't it? Well, I think it's important that people understand that it's just, it's not, you know, the rock stars aren't these you know, crazy talented people for whom everything is easy and everything is perfect. Like the people who are really talented, fantastic, but they're real people and they have real lives. I think if you're successful, but you've also faced challenge and you're willing to talk about it, you're much more approachable and people trust you more. Is there a bit of an expectation about this these days as well? Because we think about 20 years ago, you know, when we were all a bit younger, 20 years ago, before like Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff where we could, we didn't know what celebrities had for breakfast. We didn't know what politicians did at the weekend when they weren't in the office. We didn't, apart from the stuff that was on a scheduled television show, we, we were only seeing that single facet. We were seeing, seeing that single side of their life. But now in the world we live in, people are, are blogging and vlogging and Instagramming and all this stuff about breakfast and my kids and my family and the day at school and blah, blah, blah. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits. It's 24 seven. It's every single element of their life of their lives. And now we feel like if we don't see that about somebody, we feel like they're hiding something. Yeah, I think so. But I also think it can be too much. And what's important here is that we have hope. So when you see somebody as real and maybe they face challenges, but they can still be successful. I think it gives you hope that you've got a chance to, that good things can happen to you and things can work out okay. We all want a happy ending, right? We all want things to work out. And we want to be able to take role models, not from you know, the, the, the crazy, off-the-charts talented people who you could never hope to even be close to. We want to, we want to have role models of people who are real, people who made things happen, that we could possibly do that too. I think the story helps us believe that, helps gives us hope that things, you know, good things can happen too. And we're fascinated by story. I mean, whether it's voyeurism or just this, you know, morbid fascination, we always want to know the details. We want to know about other people. That's why people have been hiding behind curtains all these generations. You know, and it's why soap operas exist. It it's the reason why, you know, Coronation Street is on our telly. Yeah, 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 it, it is. And I think it's really interesting to think about looking at, let's take Instagram, for example, a discussion I have with a friend of mine who's a 
fairly major inf- inf- influencer on, on Instagram, more than a million, well more, well, more than a million followers on Instagram. And we constantly talk about how, she rem- how we want her to remind her audience that this is not real. What you are seeing on Instagram, what are you seeing people post on Facebook and all the other platforms is the highlights reel of their life, is the good stuff, is the beautiful view they've got on their vacation or holiday, is the yeah. gorgeous picture of them lying, looking all suave and cool in the morning. Like, it's not real. And how much of not real can we show people? And how much, how, how, in these stories, how real have we got to get, Lisa? Well, you know, I don't think we're not getting real for the purpose of getting real. I think really what it's about is helping people feel. You know, we, we want to feel something. And so, you know, what you share in a story is you share something that makes you feel something and then it helps the other person feel something because there's, there's a ton of information out there and you can have access to just no limit of information, no limit of experiences. What we're looking for is to actually feel something, to remind us that we're actually human and that we're okay. And so what we share is the stuff that makes us feel that's relevant. Like if a story isn't relevant to an audience, it doesn't matter how great the story is, it's a waste of time. It's got to be relevant. It's got to have something that makes the person feel something that's relevant to their lives, relevant to their business. So I'm not suggesting you go and hang out your dirty laundry and you know, tell everything and get, get you know, totally naked metaphorically in front of everybody. I mean, it's, it's one approach, talking. isn't it? It's definitely one approach. So some of the celebs have done it, but yes, it's not necessary. Yeah. It's not necessary, and that's certainly not what I would, would promote or encourage people to do. What I encourage people to do is to share things that matter to them that are relevant to their audience. Okay. And it's, um, it's, yeah, go ahead. I'd love to dive into this inner and outer story for a second. So can we just get some really hard and fast definitions? Is it literally just the inner story is everything that's actually happening in your day-to-day life? The outer story is what you take from that and tell people, or is there a bit more to it than that? No, there's a little more than that. So the outer story is, yeah, it's the story we tell other people, whether we tell it through social media, whether we tell it through blogging or when we're speaking, that's the story out, the story we tell others. The inner story is the story we tell ourselves. And that gets a little bit complex because it's the place where oftentimes we're meeting the biggest blocks or the biggest limitation because we don't believe it. We're telling ourselves a story that's holding us back. But if those two things are gonna be congruent, which is what you said, I think earlier, how do we then define the line between the inner story that we're telling ourselves and the outer story that we're sharing? Well, you know, I think that stories are made to be told and they're made to be shared and they're made to be created and crafted, right? So if you can identify a story that you're telling yourself, an inner story that's not serving you, then part of the job of doing whatever it is you do in the world, whatever it is you want to do, Mm -hmm. is transforming that story into something that's going to serve you. So, so getting beyond the way in which that story limits you. So you can have something happen to you personally that's really, really difficult. And if you tell the story as a victim, it'll always create pain. It'll always be difficult. It'll always create limitation. But if you begin to look at the ways in which you've grown from that experience, then you can tell it out as a really empowering story that inspires others. Now, what's useful about this is if you're going through a really difficult, as I pull out of it anyways, if you're going through a really difficult time, what that obviously means is, in other words, you haven't come out the other end of that yet. You are still in a difficult time for whatever reason. You can actually still use that as a sort of leverageable, useful, good, valuable piece of content because I'm going through this awful time because this awful thing has happened or because I have you know, failed in this thing or this thing is happening. But I'm still going because of this and this and this. And what you end up with is a relatable piece of content that doesn't paint you out to be some you know, poor failure. It allows people who are in a similar position to you to latch onto that 
and be able to say, oh, okay, great. I understand how this person, I understand how Lisa is going through this difficult time right now, but I'm able to yeah. pull something out of that too. Does that, is that, am I on the right lines there? Yeah, absolutely. And in a business context, it's about, you know, if, if, if you can do this and you can succeed and if you can, you know, if you can face this challenge, but still manage to pull it all together and move forward and, and see what, see the learning and grow from it. You know, if, if you have a, a launch that crashes and this is a personal story, you know, I had a launch a couple of years ago, it was a disaster. I put a lot of hope and time and money into this launch. It just mm-hmm. did not work. And it was devastating. So like I did this, you know, the postmortem, I figured out the learnings and now I talk about it openly. I talk about what, you know, how that entrepreneurial journey, how terrible it feels when, when all your expectations just crash, that, that desire just, oh, to hell with this. I'm going to go get a job, which is like insane. Like, why would I do that? And who would hire me after all these years? But like that, when I can share that and then also show the ways in which I've been successful, people feel like, oh, okay, I'm not the total loser because I've had a launch that didn't work mm-hmm. or I'm not the total loser because I can't pull it together. Okay. This reminds me of a few years ago, I had a membership program with 600, just over 600 members paying $27 a month, which is a nice recurring income stream every month. It was just one thing that I was doing. Income stream, I said that. Income stream was what I meant to say. And I decided one day, I was sort of just bored with the program. So over a period of a few days, I decided I would just close it down. Uh, so I literally logged into PayPal. I did it myself. Everyone was paying through PayPal. I went down and canceled everybody's subscriptions. Cancel, 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 cancel. We left the membership to the program open for a bit longer, so they still had access to the stuff. But I just went through and closed off all this, you know, thousands of dollars worth of income every month. And Eddie, my assistant at the time, called me and he was like, I think something's wrong with PayPal. I'm getting all these email notifications about, you know, XYZ's subscriptions being canceled and somebody else's subscription. I said, no, no, that's me. I'm just start canceling them all now. And it felt like a good idea at the time. And then a few months later, I actually hit a difficult time. And I was like, actually, do you know what? If I hadn't closed that program down for the amount of work it was doing, that was another, I don't know what that is, eight, nine grand a month that was just coming in easily all the time. And, uh, and it actually, it meant we struggled that month because I just wasn't quite where I should have been. Mm-hmm. And now I can tell that story with a smile, actually, truthfully, because it was a funny thing to do. And it sounds funny. Oh, yes, just go down and close off thousands of dollars a month in income. Um, but uh, so I was able just to use that as a thing, which most people would go, I'll just keep that to myself. And that's one model of story is that that thing of I, I screwed up. I didn't do very well. I made these learnings, learnings out of it. And you can share that. What other types of story are there? Because that's, that's one that we can very easily latch onto. But have you got some other frameworks that we might want to think about? Yeah, I mean, the other thing, just to go back to that story you told, is there's mm-hmm. another deeper level which looks at, well, who are you being in that moment? Like, wasn't there a bit of an arrogance in that to say, oh, I'm just going to cut off a $9,000, you know, right. stream of income because I feel like it without, oh, you know, that's really and, 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 and yeah, like so, compulsive. So, so like, yeah, yeah. So, so all that stuff. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just speaks to this kind of personal growth. It's like when you when you fall out of that and you look back six months later or a year later or five years later and you think, wow, you know, who was I being in that moment and who who did I become as a result of that and what did I really learn? So that's that's actually a really deep learning story on a lot of different levels. Not just practically in terms of like how the business works, but also about the kind of person you were being, how you were showing up. But like there's a ton of stories that you can share. You can share stories of working with clients, you can tell stories from your own life and the stuff you learn from the human interactions that we have with people. And I find, you know, I'm, I can be out in a coffee shop writing and, and just, and just 
thinking about something that happened or trying to illustrate something that I'm writing about and a story will pop up because we're creating stories every moment. Like we have these interactions with people. We have these observations of stuff that's going on around us. And there are these incredible moments. I call them these pivotal moments where we just have this jolt where we feel something and it can be really powerful to share with people. And it can be from the simplest thing to like the biggest change in life. But when we're willing to share that and bring a little bit of vulnerability into that space, then people can relate to us much better and they begin to trust us more. So start showing a vulnerability is a really, really powerful thing and showing that you're not perfect. You're not this, this perfect person who's always got it right because every, our audience generally are people who want to become closer to what we are. But if they think, well, well, it's easy for you. you. You've always had money or you've always had success. You've always had a strong mindset or you've always had whatever outcome it is that you teach then yeah. it's, it's easy for them to think that that's not achievable for them. But if they say, it's the reason that the rags to riches story works so, so well, and it's been told so many times across different media is because if yeah. someone's currently in a rag situation, that could be financially, it could be mentally, it could be emotionally, whatever, then it gives them hope for that, doesn't it? So that brings yeah. me a question really about where do we, where's an, where are appropriate places for us to, to tell these stories? So, you know, I, I personally believe you can tell stories across the entire business, but specifically, um, certainly on social media, we talked about, about that a little bit, but I think also in speaking, it's really, really powerful. You know, whether you're on a stage in front of 2,000 people or whether you're just talking to someone in a networking situation, whether you're trying to um, talk, like share something with a, with a prospect, with a potential client, um, when you can bring a story element into it, you're going to build up the trust much, much faster. It's easy um, to do it in a webinar, isn't it? You plan, you, you plan your story right into a webinar if you're doing that kind of thing. And telling a yeah. bit about your story there is, is powerful. And chatting to a one-on-one -on -one client, you can hear what their situation, or potential client, you can hear what their situation is right now and then pull up a story from a previous client of yours that match or mirrors theirs or your story if your story mirrors theirs. And obviously right. something we don't talk about often here on, on, the, on the Free Marketers podcast is we don't talk about the content itself, the product you've sold, but telling story as a, as a learning method right. in the content is a really powerful way of deepening relationship and getting a point across and using it as a metaphor or as a learning point. Yeah, and the funny thing about that, which is I discovered as a trainer, because I used to be a corporate trainer, is that when you tell a story, actually people think that you're more of an expert. It's really interesting. They actually, they actually, their perception of you changes. If you can tell a relevant story from your experience about a particular teaching point, then you come across much more expert at what you do. So it really builds your credibility at the same time. That is exactly what I was about to say. This sort of like, this whole concept sits as like, like the bedrock of your entire business. So for example, if you do, if you get into the habit of, so for example, we do like the daily email things, so we'll email our lists every day with mm -hmm. a different little story or quirky tip or something. So it fits in there. It fits on your Instagram stories. If you're just walking down the street and you record a quick thing, it fits into the videos that I put up on LinkedIn, for example, all of that stuff. And that's great. And there's lots of different bits of this we can pull because we know we can pull from client stories and friend stories and, and our stories. Yeah. So that's great. And what that and means... And even how you, how you meet people, like what your experience of other people as you're right. doing. I mean, I want to do that in your podcast. Like when you, oh, we met such and such a person. Like if you've had a personal interaction with someone, you're going to share it with the audience. The audience loves that. They love to think of you guys going off and having coffee with someone or, you know, meeting them at a conference or whatever. Mm -hmm. And all of this cumulatively for me, I think, is almost like objection handling in advance. So like people later on come across a sales page or a webinar or something where you're going to make an offer of some description and they sort of, 
it's like over a period of time, you've taken lots and lots of little bits of trust and put them all together so that when you get there, you've probably handled their objections ages ago because you talked yeah, about the fact- I trust this person? Can I give them money? Will they, right. will they deliver? What's their expertise? Why, why are they the expert? You know, why listen to me, that element of a sales Like person? if you once did a story about the fact that, you know, you were, you were doing 18 hours a day in your full-time job and building a business on the side, and then you come to make an offer and you did it and you come to make an offer now. Somebody goes, wow, you know, I'm working 18 hours a day in my job. I don't think I've got time. You've sort of already overcome that objection as part of the story that you've told them over a period of time. And that's why yeah, I think totally. Yeah. And I think you can do that really intentionally. So you write down the list of the, you know, top five or top 10 objections that someone's going to have on a webinar or, you know, however you're trying to sell something and you create that, you know, you bring in stories true real experience stories that are going to answer those objections and so it's really subtle it's like planting the seed and the objections are just ticked off all the way through so by the time you get to the actual sale point you know there's, there's nothing to object about and and they feel like they can you know, people feel like you can see inside their head yeah and what's gorgeous about stories and i'm sure as many of us know is that the moment we start talking in stories our adults skeptical, cynical brain shuts down and kind of goes to sleep. And our childlike brain, who used to love it when our parents, our grandparents told us stories, wakes yeah. up and our imagination becomes free and our skepticism is shut down. I can see where you're going with this. It's, it's much easier to make a sale at that point, overcome objections by, by even shutting off the part of the brain which has objections. The bits that thinks logically. You're, 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 you're tapping into the subconscious straight away. Not only that, it's because you're able to paint pictures, mental pictures for people with story. Yeah. It's really, really powerful. And we're going to talk about that more in just a moment. But we want to roll into our first game of this episode. And we've called it Story Glory. Yay. Crowd goes <laughs> mild. So here's how, here's how the game works. It's very simple. It's all about our favorite fairy stories. We're going to read out some descriptions of fairy tales and your I job had a feeling you were going to do this. <laughs> simply to guess what the fairy story might be. We're not allowed to name any of the characters in any of these fairies. Or any of the words in the title. In the title. Yes, so uh, here we go. Here's thing, no, story number one. Uh, this is a woman. She uh, is dressed in in rags, but she ends up going to a really amazing ball and marrying Cinderella. Yes. Right. Second one. Uh, this is a woman. She ends up being uh, locked in a castle, uh, which is owned by a big, scary creature. Carefully. Um, Rapunzel. No. No. Uh, and um, so eventually, uh, she, uh, the, she, uh, the, the, he has to make her fall in love with him, and then you'll turn into a dashing, handsome prince. That's like every single, that's every single fairy no, tale. No, the this one's, really, this really one's really a big, scary, hairy thing with big teeth and horns. <laughs> oh, I'm going completely blank. It, well it was beauty in the move on, move on. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, the next oh, that's, one is... That's Disney, that's not fairy tale. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> it's based on a, Spanish, uh, on a French fairy tale, isn't it? Surely. Um, anyway, um, next one is, um, is, 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 oh my, this is Two really children hard. go into the woods. There's a cottage that's made out of... And uh, metal. Yes. And this one is another little girl. She goes into the woods. <laughs> that's where it all goes wrong. They go into the woods. Don't go into the woods, kids. And go, goes there and she wears a particular coloured top. 
with a thing that covers her head. But then a, red, she... red, a little red riding hood. Yes, it's go. a wonderful thing. That's gonna uh, be. Oh, you won't like this one either. This is a, a, a lady, and she is in, in the, the woods. woods. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes across a little house. Noticing a pattern here. <laughs> yeah, a little house. And this has a number of people who live there. Uh, they're not very tall. Goldilocks and the Seven Dwarves. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, the next one is really difficult to describe. This guy goes to a market and exchanges his cow for some beans. Yep. Back in the beanstalk. Yes, that's there the one. Go. Yeah, you went before. Okay, this is a small furry creature, um, not like a dog, but not a dog, and it wears uh, it wears something on its feet, uh, and it also features in the Shrek movies more recently, uh, but it's an old fairy story from before that. Uh, it would purr and meow. That's <laughs> pretty good. Oh, um, and it wears oh, like shoes, but not shoes. They're very tall. Oh, Puss and Boots. It there is Puss and Boots, yes. And this girl, you mentioned her earlier, and she uh, and, and and she's in a really oh. tall tower, but she's got really long hair. Very long hair. <laughs> yes. What was that? <laughs> Rapunzel, Rapunzel. Yeah, Rapunzel, 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 Rapunzel. Okay, this is a little chap uh, who is made out of something edible. Oh, no, edible. Sorry. Orange orange in colour. Also features in the Shrek movies, if you've seen them. Has, like, little buttons that are made out of, like, jelly beans. You shouldn't eat them. Oh, gingerbread man. There we go. Yes, he is. And this is what... um, What Kennedy looks like in his family. This is a small... (laughs) (laughs) This is... Uh, this is a small thing which quacks, but it's not very really good looking. Ugly duckling. Yes. There we go. So that gives us Cinderella. Hansel You've got Gretel. Hansel and Gretel, Ryan Riding Hood, I think. Yeah. Snow uh, White. Uh, Goldilocks, that was it. Goldilocks. Uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. Sorry, yes. Yes. Yeah. Puss in Boots. Yes. Rapunzel. Gingerbread Man. Ugly Duck. I think it was only one wrong, wasn't it? I think it was only one wrong. I think it was nine out of ten. I'm happy to give it nine out of ten. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Look at that. Fabulous stuff. Well, What's the time? Uh, the price is uh, uh, glory. What? The glory. The glory. Yes. Of the story, From story glory. glory. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. You've got story glory. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the club. Right. Thank uh, you. So what is the? <laughs> Don't know. Yes. Good. So let's back to storytelling within marketing. Yes. Storytelling with your marketing. So, yeah, so I love the fact that we now know this is a thing we're going to start to like pepper our businesses with over a long period of time, and that forms this sort of bedrock that stuff doesn't it It like Mm -hmm. cements it's the cornerstone of your business and i love this idea that everything else you ever do in your business becomes easier because you've spent a period of time doing this telling the stories right so one of the things one of the concepts i used to really like is the idea of having a core story which is the basic story about who you are how you end up being where you are and uh uh, and, and that's the kind of thing. What do you think? Are you also are you also a fan of this core story, which it might be about you or might be about your business? Obviously, sometimes you are your business. Uh, well, are you a fan of not, that? Or the elements, I suppose. Not really. So, oh, so I, really? I I believe in core story, but it's not the way you're describing it. So I know what you're talking about. You're, I know what you're talking about this idea that you, there's this one story, right? Mm-hmm. There's this one story that you have to tell, and I don't like that approach because I think I've seen too many marketers 
tell the same story ad nauseum. Like that's and the that means story. it sort of becomes a oh yes, this is where he's going to talk about that again. Yeah, oh, that's what he's yeah, just read. Yeah, going to talk about the, yeah the near near death experience or the car crash or whatever it was that made him made him see the light. And you know, I don't really believe it. And I mean, maybe you know, it's not that maybe the first time I believed it, but when I've heard it twenty times, it just stops being meaningful. And it also makes me think. You know, it's like the guy you asked for dinner. You know the way when the family gets together, there's always one person who tells the same old stories. Yes. You know yes. the. the other oh, story here comes granddad. It's usually yeah. granddad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I started asking myself, like, what is going on that this person is telling the same old stories and nobody's listening, nobody's engaged, nobody gives a damn. And I realized, like, people do get stuck in their stories. And and I would ask myself, like, what happened for the last thirty years? Like, nothing meaningful happened that they don't have any other stories to tell. Right. And I think we have stories happening all the time. So the trick with effective storytelling is having an absolute repertoire of stories that are based on, you know, what would be relevant for the audience and what you can pull out of your own experience. And then the, the real challenge is finding the right story to tell at the right time to the right audience. And when you can do that, it's always happening. It's, it's always yeah. happening. But I suppose the counter, the counter thought for that, I want to ju- I'm just thinking of our, if, what, what others might be thinking listening to this, and that is if you've got a story which defined your why, like why did you get into this? How did you end up here? For example, why did we start Response Week? One single thing happened, which was absolutely the thing that catapulted us into the position we find us now. Is there a point at which we need to retire that story or does that still need to be one of our sort of roster of stories? Well, I think it's a useful story to have because it's kind of like the the founding story and that's a useful thing to have. But you'll find like the business is going to change, you know, it's probably changing all the time. And so the stories that are these eye opening moments, these pivotal moments that are connected to how the business shifts and pivots and changes. And these are really important stories to tell. I always remember one of the like one of the online marketing guys that I know does really well. He told a story on stage for years about how he turned, I think he had like $17 in his bank account and, um, he turned it into, you know, within 90 days, he turned it into 10,000. And that was the start of his entrepreneurial journey. Mm-hmm. But then he realized that he was only attracting people who had $17 in their bank account. Right. And that, and, and that wasn't the audience he wanted to address five years later. So then he started talking about, you know, burning out from doing 400 talks a year and, you know, just not having any time for his family. And then he started attracting entrepreneurs who were working too hard, who needed to shift into a different business model. So like this you have to be really- amazing. Rob and I are just, just our eyes just bugged out at each other because what's really incredible about this, and this is a real moment for me, because we're talking about the maturity of the story. We're talking about that story moving forward to attract and match the right people. So when you attract the right people in, and it's about starting the story at the right point, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And being really clear, like who are the people you want to attract in and what's relevant to them? Because if I hear, you know, that this is all about the $17 and I'm not there, I'm earning, you know, I'm, I'm in a six figure business and I'm trying to grow to a million dollars, then that's not going to speak to me. That tells me that you work with startups and with people who have nothing who are trying to, you know, create something. I want to work. I want to hear about the stories of what happened when you hit six figures and how did you get to a million? Right. And those stories are going to really attract me in because then it's going to build up a different kind of trust, a different kind of credibility. So yeah, you're just, really. you're just shifting the timeline. You're telling a different piece of the story to make it relevant. And that mm-hmm. speaks so much to everything that we teach at Response Suite is about putting the right stuff in front of the right people at the right time. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Absolutely cool. amazing. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, my brain just like had a, a real mic. I feel like someone's just dropped the mic on my head. Where does sort of storytelling <laughs> ability fit into this? So we all know people who are outstanding storytellers. Yeah, my, words, my buddy Andy is amazing. They could tell you a story about them in anything, anything. You yeah. know, some people could read the phone book. And people find it interesting. Fascinating. And then other people who don't have that ability. Is this something that we really have to try and develop? Or is that, yeah. is that not important? No, you have to, you have to work it. Like you can't, I mean, and, and I get that from people. So like, oh my God, you're really lucky. You're a natural, you know, you're Irish and you're this and you're that. And you're clearly you were born to do this. And yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and the, an element of that is true. Like when I started training to be a, a professional storyteller, people from my family, my past would say, oh, of course you're doing storytelling. You've been telling stories before you could walk. And like, I didn't even realize that I was a storyteller my entire life. So yeah, that helped. But I've also trained for like 15 years as a professional storyteller and I've, I've performed and I've talked on stages around the world. And I, like you have to you have to craft your stories and you have to practice and you have to master it, you know. And so, yes, yeah, some people start with more. Some people have the ability to tell a story. They're just born with it. Like, you know, some people are great at telling jokes. But for people who aren't, you can actually you can really build a skill and you can really master it. And, you know, a big part of what I do is help people do that. And it's amazing the transformation that they can find, you know? If we were going to do one thing right now to in- improve the stories we tell, what kind of thing could we do that you say, you know what it is, if, you, if people just drop this little, little thing in, you can't overuse it because obviously any of these things could be overused, but what one little thing could we drop into the way we try and tell a story? Because we, we used to be very instructional, maybe, or something like that, very direct. What little element could we drop into a story or any time we're trying to communicate something that will really just lift up just a little bit? Give us an extra few points. It would have to be one. <laughs> I've got like so many. Well, um, give us a couple then. I didn't, so, I didn't want right, to agree right. with so everything. The first, thing, the first thing that's really important is to, is to like make your stories um, embed them in time and place, right? So it's got to be, you know, it was a Tuesday afternoon, it was pouring rain, and I've left my coat at the office. Like, so you can already get a picture that's very kind of tangible, right? And a lot of people tell stories that are really about how they feel or what they've learned. They don't make it tangible. And then that reminds no me of like those people who go, oh, yes, I remember. It, in 1876, we were doing this, you know, in, 19, in 1992, we were in Florida and. So it really fixes it, doesn't it? I've never even thought about What it does is it allows you to say more than the words you've just said. So you're able to say it was Tuesday afternoon, it was pouring with rain, I'd left my coat at the office. That is a handful of words that say a lot more because it paints a picture and picture can say a thousand words. Yes. It, yeah. it, it allows you to say, oh, that's frustrating, that's irritating. I, like, it allows you to feel a It allows them to decide on the emotions themselves. I love that technique. Well, what was the next one? Yeah, and um, I think what's really, you know, one of the best uh, quotes I've ever heard of what is story is it's something happens and it's told with emotion and imagery. So I've just covered the imagery piece, okay? It's Tuesday, it's pouring rain, I left my coat at the office and I had a splitting headache. That brings in the feeling. How did I feel in that moment? Or, and I could smell the burning the minute I walked onto the street, there's a fire somewhere like so you bring in something sensual something that's feeling based so you're going to tap yeah. into one of the senses now you're going to say i could see yeah. i could smell i could taste i could hear i want to know what happened next <laughs> you're adding some texture you know you're adding some texture i i've gone into rooms of you know senior executives and i've walked in without saying a word and i've said you know 
there's this tiny island right between Scotland and Ireland. And people fought for generations to whom it belonged. But this boy had an envisioned a way to figure it out. And he got a boatload of snakes. And so this is how I start the story. And they're all just suddenly turned into 10-year-olds, like looking at me with wide eyes, leaning forward, and like physiological shift in their body, wanting to know what happens next. And, you know, when the little boy goes into a cave and it's full of, you know, pixies and tiny people, they're like, where are we? Like it's suddenly the whole world has shifted. And you can do that through story if you're showing how you feel, you're, show, you're, you're giving some emotion, you're giving some imagery, you're, some imagery, and something actually happens. Like something has to happen. Something has to shift. There's a before and after with story. And you're never quite the same. And so it's finding that moment where something changes. And that's the core of the story. And then you can talk about context and learning and what it means and how you translate it and what happened later. But you've got to, like, people forget this. They forget to place it in time and space. They forget to, to bring in the feelings and the emotions, and they forget to talk about what actually happened. When yeah. you, you've got those three things, then you've got a story. And what's nice is, because you've painted that mental picture, that's not just words that are rushing over their ears. When the, the minor points, of, or the, the specific, not the minor points, the, the, spe the specific points of the lesson you, you pull out of the story are maybe forgotten or need to be referenced in their notes, the, the imagery and the feelings and emotions from the story are the things that really stick. Oh, I remember this and I remember that. I've had people come to me after years of receiving my daily emails that I send out which are all yeah. story-based about things that's happening in my life. They're usually just retrospective of the day before. And they say, hey, how's that thing going? I'm like, remember that I went to do that one thing? They're like, yeah, you told me that. Like, they know so much about me. Now, yeah. we're going to... Uh, can, I, can I just say what you just said was, sure. you told me that. So it feels personal. Right? Sure. That person said to you, you told me that. It's not like you wrote an email to 50,000 people. You told me that. And mm -hmm. so they're connected because they feel it's personal. Yeah, it's yeah. so, so cool. Now, we're going to go ahead and interrupt proceedings for the second and final time in this episode to play our favorite game. Now, Lisa, here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you now. But he's going to sing a song. I mean, wh why wouldn't you sing a song in a marketing podcast? He's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British pub singer. Now, that means that some of the words are going to be quite difficult to understand. And your job, Lisa, and dear listeners at home, of course, is to simply guess what song Kennedy sings. So, Kennedy, take it away. That could have been a pub singer or a chicken. <laughs> Lisa, so any idea what song that was? I have no idea what that was. Really? I couldn't even. I have no idea. Kennedy's other half is here in the office. I think she got it right. She mouthed something at us, and I think she say? got it. Yes, she said it was Abba, money, 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 which it was. That was very good. Well, I'm gonna well done. I mean, having a little go. I really do. We're now gonna head over into what we lovingly refer to as the quick fire round. Hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So, Lisa, first of all, give us a book that you recommend. Okay, a book I recommend is called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Mm, very nice. And what would be a top success habit? Something that you do regularly? 
Um, I do a daily energy routine. Um, it's, uh, you can find it on YouTube by Donna Eden. And it's a daily energy, like takes seven minutes in the morning and it just brings my day into focus. I love it. Love that. Uh, can you give us an entrepreneur or a marketer that you really look up to? Yeah, um, I really look up to Danny Inney from Miracy. Um, I do a lot of work with him. He's amazing. He's the real deal. And his kind of that whole trust building thing, he's built a community based on, you know, just showing up and being real, the real person. What are some of your favorite apps that you really think everyone should know about? That's a tricky one. I'm not that into apps. I guess probably the one I like best would be Slack, just to build kind of communication and you know, work with, working with teams. It can be really powerful. Yeah, really, really powerful. We run our business yeah. on it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, big important question here now, so think very carefully. Who do you like more, redhead Rob or platinum head Kennedy? Well, you know, it's an interesting question. I have four sons. Who's <laughs> so your favorite you have... son? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the question. Who's your favorite child? So mm -hmm. I'm going to have to say, you know, you all have special talents and I love you both. What can I say? Oh, oh you say all the right things. <laughs> Finally, please tell us all because we're gagging to know. Where can we all go to find out more about you, your work, stories and all this good stuff? Yeah, um, story-coach.com. That's where I'm at. And Story Coach everywhere on social media. Love it. Love Lisa, it. thank you so much for joining us. This has been so, so valuable. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Very cool. And, really, she, all really and she lived happily ever after. We all did. We all did. <laughs> I really like that. You know, it's the show don't tell thing. Like I said at the top of the episode, it really is. It's about really communicating people on that sort of primal level because since we were kids, we've all been sort of educated on listen to a story, allow it to complete and allow it to like, get, you know, allow yourself to sort of read into it. Also, the great thing about stories, I think, is that allows you to add emotion to things without it just being the emotion of hype, which is what you see a lot of sort of novice marketing. Yeah, I mean, every, everything about our world is driven by stories. You watch the news, they're news stories. You go to the cinema to watch a film, that's an acted out story, the same with a play or a musical. Like uh, music, pop music or whatever, tells a story through through its lyrics and stuff. It really, so really everything is. in our world is stories, so your marketing should be too. And a really great place to tell stories is through your email marketing. And if you're interested in building your email marketing prowess, then do check out our podcast, our other podcast. It's called The Email Marketing Show. Every single week, Rob and I, and sometimes we're joined by a guest, talk about how to use email marketing to grow your business on a platform that you actually own the data on. Uh, so go and check that out. Of course, if you want the show notes from this very episode of Three Marketers Walking the Podcast, you'll find them over at blog.responsesuite.com slash zero nine five that's it for this week we'll see you right back here same time same place next week don't miss a thing, miss a thing. check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com